Let's give the Lord a hand, amen. He's worthy. Bless him. Bless him. You could do better than that. How about you give him a shout and give him all you got. Bless him. Bless him. Yes, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. God is so good. I want to welcome those who are online watching us wherever you're at, whatever part of the world, whatever time zone, or if you happen to tune into YouTube. We appreciate you. We hope that you take this journey with us as we continue to go. Um, we started something called The Place of Next, and we're going to build on that. I have a feeling for the next few weeks at least. So God bless you. May he keep you. And I'd like to hear from you. We like to hear from you. When you write to us, it means a lot, especially whenever you're at, wherever you're at. I know there's a, a pastor who's been writing to us, I think, from... Pakistan and another one and it's not on war and another one from somewhere in Africa and you you've paid the highest compliment you've said that you use these materials for your sermons in church so praise God go with that it uh, helps me to fear God even more thank you Lord let's cover in prayer right now father we thank you Lord for the visitation of your Holy Spirit in this place this morning for Lord we indeed hear your voice, heard your voice, and what you've done deep in our hearts, Father, is life-changing. Help us now, Father, to build upon that with the Word of God as we've been taking this journey. Holy Spirit, you speak truth. And Father, we give you full reign in our lives to nudge us, to change us, to help us to let go of what we need to and grab hold of what you have for us. Help us, Lord, as we journey into this place. And thank you, Father, not only for what you've done, but what you're about to do and going to do this year in our lives, in our families, and everything that we touch, every place that our feet go. We thank you for it, Lord. We give you glory. We bless you, Father, and we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to build a little bit on the, uh, the coming invitation on leaders. Um, I, know th I know that you might have thought from that announcement that our only care is to appoint leaders to do things in the church. No, that's not what inspired me to do that. The Lord spoke to me and said, for a season, if you recall, I mentioned this a week ago, for a season, he wanted me to impart and pour and mentor into those who believe they want to go to a higher level, the next step in the deep things of God and to serve the Lord in the kingdom. So yes, this is our church and it has to do with leaders in this church. My prayer would be everybody that's in some form of leadership or service in the church will be moved of God to take this journey together. But also the invitation is to those who are here. Um, I have a feeling we're gonna have a, a, a few joining us. Even those online, uh, you can participate, maybe online or at least afterwards. We'll see how technically involved we get. But I don't know how long this is going to go on. I had a couple conditions, which I normally don't put. One, that if you make this commitment, you are true to it, because I intend to be true to it. And secondly, that you really, really, really make a decision in your heart saying, I want this to be a moment in my life to go deeper and further in the things of God. We're gonna not, it's not a Bible teaching. 
This is an impartation. This is dealing with strong leadership issues of the kingdom of God and impartation and activation. It shall move in the prophetic. If you have a problem with the prophetic, you probably want to stay at home and eat your oatmeal and take your flax and do all those things that you do to get yourself regular because this is going to be very irregular. Um, So please... I know I'm speaking in churning hearts. I asked you to pray about it, to think about it. Now it's time to sign up, start signing up, um, and we're going to start. I also told you you're going to need to be a little instant in season. You're not going to all the time be able to look on my calendar and say it's going to be this Thursday night or, you know, God may be moving and you may get an alert that comes out and says we're meeting in three days. Do what your best to be there. Um, I want to be available. I want to do this. I need to share with you intimately that I don't know how much time God has for me and everything that he's given me to do. I know it's a lot, and I know I'm being stretched all over the place, and I know we're being stretched all over the place, but this is what he has asked and told me to do at this time. So I want to pour it out. This isn't going to be something I believe that repeats next year or the following year. This is for the now. So if you want it, come and get it. And uh, I'm going to be a little tough. Uh, if you don't show up, I'm going to call you. Say, what happened? Where are you at? Because I was here. Amen? Commitment. Commitment in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about it. Now, I understand things come up for all of us. And I'm going to be leaning upon some others to help me. Certainly, uh, Pastor Patty. And, and some others that God will bring in. I will call them in. I will call in some of the generals, both male and female, for around the earth to come in. And we're going to be offering this as something that will help people to grow. We're going to document it. But the real now, the revelation in the present is going to happen right here and with us. So um, I asked you before, and quite a few of you raised your hands. How many of you feel like maybe God's tugging you to do something like this? Amen. I see you. Well, I'm encouraged. I want to make, uh, I told you we're going to enter into a covenant with each other about it. And that covenant is I'm going to give all I have into it, and you're going to give all you have into it. Amen? That's our covenant. We're going to do the best we can, covered under the blood, in the grace of God. And all God's people said, hey, amen, all right. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I am excited about the things that are going on. We do have, by the grace of God and the hard work of Brian and Eric and, and, uh, and Jimmy participating um, and how we receive these. And Janine, who's not here, but Janine had the vision of the flags. Thank you for that. We've got some flags that are established and put up. More flags are coming. You may notice as you look at Chinese church in the back, we have some of the ones of Asia, Korea, Japan, and China. We're ordering some more for Asia, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, and putting them across that wall. Some of you had said that you would commit to pray for a nation with a flag that's represented here. So I'm going to ask you to pray about that. Find your flag. And what I want you to do when you find your flag is we're going to have a little piece of tape out there starting next week, and you're going to put your name on that little piece of tape, and you're going to put it on the flagpole, and you're going to pray for that nation. I'm expecting you're going to see some prophetic changes. This is a prophetic house of power, and we have the power to change nations. How many of you know that? Not just because of who we are, because we accept it, believe it, and we'll commit to it. Amen. So I want you to do that. I want you to get involved. I want you to stretch your tents and your pegs. And I believe God's going to make some divine connections for you with that nation. And we're going to believe that God will probably even send you there. 
How many of you believe that God will do that? How many of you want some excitement in your life in the kingdom? How many of you say, I don't want to go anywhere, I just want to stay home? <laughs> yes, Bob, you stay home then, all right. No, you want to go. Jim Mariotti's going to buy you a one-way ticket wherever you want to go. Yes, he's nodding his head. Done deal. Okay, we got so many things happening. Our youth is going to uh, the RAN, and, and uh, Pastor Land's taking some of them. I have never participated in it. I've watched it, and I know some of the people who first found it. Um, I think that was like, wow, about 10, 15 years back. It was a while ago. I haven't seen some of them since then, really. Um, but it's powerful, so we want to pray for our youth to get the best they can with that, all of the youth in the area that's going. Um, we are going to do a special collection for that after our offering today. Uh, the church is paying their way. Now, some of them, the girls especially, have worked hard doing, making goods and a bake sale and all, and we don't want them to use that money for that. That's for a special offering. That's for something else. We're honored in the church to send our youth, our teens, to this and to believe God for an impartation. So we want to, how many of you want to sow into the next generation? Amen. It's not a lot of money. I think we're talking less than $200 for all the people going. Is that right, Leanne? How much? Two, $220, $230, $200. let us say $250, $300. All right, we're going to believe God for more. We want more to go. We want them to go. Amen. We want them to go. I, you know, I'm believing God. Something awesome is going to happen. You know, I just dawned on me. Um, I really wasn't exposed. Our generation wasn't exposed to these kind of things, were we? But the other flip side of it was our schools didn't have barriers about us going to things. And I remember attending uh, Hubbard Hubbard Roosevelt Elementary School and I think we were in fifth grade and they took us to Stamba Auditorium to see uh, the cross and the switchblade and 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 there was a presentation now that was all about heroin and with all due respect at Hubbard there wasn't a lot of heroin at the time I mean you know people weren't even smoking grass they were drinking Boone's Farm Maple wine or something like that I don't know but we went but now I realize an impact it had on me uh, in that time in my age, because it was the only thing like it I'd ever seen. And I remember keeping it in the back of my mind for years and years. When we have moments to impact our youth, we need to do it. That's our legacy. And this church is going to be filled with a lot of youth pretty soon. God is moving, and we're praying those people in, those leaders in, the youthful leaders in. Um, you know, I mean, they need people to relate to, both male and female, and to help guide them in the ways of life and, and to tolerate to tolerate uh, their youthfulness, amen? The older we get, we don't tolerate youthfulness so well, do we? How many of you have some, some really wild grandchildren? You know, you love them for a while, and then afterwards you want to give them back to their parents. You say, oh my God, they're wearing me out. I don't have the, everyone's, I see it smiles. Yes, we need people to tolerate youthfulness. And we have some great people that are working at it. Thank you for that. Um, so we're going to take a special offering for that. Next week, um, and remember, special offerings are not your tithe. If you give it as your tithe, it's not a special offering. And so then you don't get the Melchizedek blessing. And I'll teach on that some point again. If you want the Melchizedek blessing, you give a special offering. You want to honor your tithe, you give your tithe. That's your seed. If you don't, you rob God. Your special offering doesn't rob God, 
But your special offering allows you to sow into the Melchizedek offering. That's where you get blessed beyond the regular offering, beyond things. So next week, we're going to, this week, we're going to take an offering for the youth. Next week, we're going to take a special offering for the Nicaragua trip. And we want to bless these people that are going. We want to help to, to defer some of their costs. They're paying out of their own pocket if we can. And we want them to have something to be able to sow while they're there from not only their blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work and money, but from our special offering. How many want to sow into Nicaragua? Amen. I have a special heart for Nicaragua. I was the English pastor in two Spanish churches for 14 years very large Spanish churches, the largest two in Miami, the one the largest in the country, Spanish church. And I had a lot of Nicaraguans. I had a lot of illegal immigrants, they were called. I buried their people. I married them. I blessed them. I helped them. I cried through the tears. We sheltered them. Uh, we were with them. So I have a really special heart and passion uh, for people from Mexico, South America, Central America, Venezuela, Brazil. I, we've ministered to a lot of them one-on-one. -on -one. So we want to sow into that. And I believe that's part of why God's brought us together, because there is a heart for the Hispanic here in this church, a big heart. That's why we bless Pastor Harry and the children that he's bringing and his wife. We thank God for them because it's part of the vision that God gave us from the beginning seven years ago. Okay, the leadership call is going to build upon something that I presented and did a few years back, about four years back. In fact, we have the tapes and the teaching. It's called the call to Ziklag. And so everybody that signs up for that, I'm going to ask Dwayne and our tech department to, to blow the dust off of those teaching tapes and to give them, give them you to a set. They probably, I don't know what they cost us. If you want to help and, and, and defray some of the costs, fine. I'm not so worried about the cost as I am about the foundation and presenting you. That's something else that will help you to understand the prophetic part of this house on the call to Ziklag. And it's now a kingdom Ziklag. God is calling people from the four corners of the earth. The sound of the trumpet is going out, assembling a great army to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. David was called to Ziklag. And there he was receiving the kingdom from Saul. And he was added to day by day with wonderful people, tremendous people who knew how to get in rank, to keep rank, and to do what God called them to do. They were ambidextrous spiritually and physically. They had tremendous power. They came with different gifts. Together they established the move of a brand new kingdom. We are hearing the call to Ziklag to establish the kingdom of God throughout the earth to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's the sound. That's the whisper. That's the voice that we hear right now. So if you're saying, you know what? I don't want to miss this moment in my generation. And people miss their moments in generation. Not everybody that God called to Ziklag went. Not everybody that went stayed. It's like the Gideon thing, you know? It kept whittling down. And God is more concerned about those who have the right heart. We can miss our moments if we get tied up in ourselves. That's what makes us miss it. It's our priorities. It's what we're doing. And you know, you can never be too busy. You can never tell me you have to work too much because I work seven days a week, both with my hands, with work, and with ministry. So you're looking at the wrong guy if you want me to feel sorry for you for working hard. Ain't never going to happen. I'm going to probably tell you you could work harder. <coughs> Amen? And my prayer for you is that you're going to go strong and then gone. You're going to work strong. That's my prayer for me until you're done with your kingdom assignment and then psst, gone. And if you tell me you're going strong and then gone, I'm not going to cry for you when you go. 
I'm going to tell you, if you go before me, then get my house ready, will you please? Because I'm coming right after you. Amen? Give the Lord a hand. Come on. This is his kingdom. This is his time. As you can tell, I'm excited about it. Well, we're moving on from the place of next. We've had quite a journey, and maybe over the next few weeks, because I know there's no way I'm going to cover this today. <laughs> no way. Um, I've been excited about what God's been revealing. Uh, I've been digging deep into it. Uh, wee hours of this morning through till right till we came to rehearsal. Um, God has just been downloading and dumping. We've had the fast. Now, I say we've had because I think a few of you are still doing different forms of fast. Um, and our fast took us right after the 100 days of prayer. And on January 6th, we started the fast. Um, I broke my fast last night with the intention that I'm going to continue to have a form of fast because of what God is doing. I'm so excited about what I'm feeling inside of me, what I'm seeing, chains that are being broken, uh, visions and revelations that I'm receiving. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to lose it. So, and, and by the way, it was the easiest fast I ever had. It really was. It, 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 you too? The easiest. I mean, my wife, bless her Italian Slovak heart, kept trying to give me liquids and smoothies and all kind of stuff. She would have had me have, drink a bowl of soup, liquid soup, every hour. I had to say, honey, fool. I'm good. I don't even need it. I don't want it. I'm not thinking about it. And, and really, that's when you know God is really moving. So you're getting uh, uh, Frank on steroids, spiritual steroids right now. And, and uh, Barney's smiling. Barney, I'm so happy to see you. And Ellen, bless your heart. You're going to be blessed because I'm going to tell your wife the Hebrew meaning of her name and the prophetic meaning of her name today, Ellie. We're going to get into that for a moment. So, that being said, we just came out of 126 days. 100 days of prayer, a little lull coming into the New Year's because it's so hard for everybody to watch football games and not eat wings and to do the stuff on New Year's with their families. Um, and then we started on the 6th. We went through our 21 days of prayer, fasting, declarations, and faith because the Lord said we were breaking through. There was a breakthrough coming collectively for us as a ministry and for you as people. And I took the responsibility and understood that I needed to lead that way spiritually. And I believe I have. I've been, I've been obedient. I can tell you I've been obedient to that calling of God. I held it. I went through it. I've had some tremendous times of prayer right here, including yesterday. Uh, me and the Lord. I've received a download for many of you. I prayed for many of you. I prayed around these seats. I'm not taking any accolades. I'm just telling you that God is blessing. This is your time if you will seize it. I can't make you seize it, right? I can only help you to get to where you're supposed to go, and I'm trying to find it myself, and we're arriving, but I can help you to get there, and the Holy Spirit will take us there, and it's a matter of what you do between now and that place of next. We discussed that the place of next isn't just a next place. It's the place that God has ordered and destined for us in all of our lives, and when we get to those places of next, it becomes our padamaran. I told my great friend, my dear brother, beloved Bishop Harry Jackson, when his wife passed, that God was taking him to a padamaran. He is now arriving at 
it. God is bringing him to another level and place in his life. And even though I cried with him, and even though I mourned with him in his service for his wife, I knew there was a padamaran coming, the next next. And he held on with God, and he believed it. And I want you to know your padamaran is coming. It's a place where God sent sent the servant of Abraham to go to that Padamaran and to find the wife for the covenant of his seed. We're going to talk about it. So I want you to understand, you are arriving at your Padamaran. And, and that Padamaran is a good place to go, but it's not your final resting stop. You've got to go more places. That Padamaran's a place of provision. That Padamaran's a place of vision. That Padamaran is a place of collecting and adding things unto you. People being added unto you. We don't cut away the good stuff as God has given us. We add on to it. Sometimes we have to cut away some relationships. Hmm. 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 Sometimes we got to cut them away. Sometimes we're not even realizing why they're being cut away. I was realized in my fast why some door slammed so hard for me because God knew that I would want to keep one foot in there. He would want to know I'd be, you know, somehow I'd, I'd be sympathetic or emotional or I'd be draining. I'm a very loyal person, so I want to stay loyal to everything and everybody at a fault. And, and, and he knew that, so he slammed my toe in it. And he slammed those doors. And I couldn't understand why a few people were so harsh and mean to me. And now I see, and I've seen it, and it's been coming, but now I've seen it go full circle where the Lord showed me I needed to move to my Padamaran. I needed to go to the next place. I needed to go to that place where God had it for me and not look back at those things and not be embittered, but to grow upon him and to grow upon the best. And so now God is reconciling those doors that were closed because he knows I don't want to go back through them. I just want the love and the relationships of the people that I love and have. You see, that's what God does with us. And if we're unwilling to go through that open door, you know what happens? We end up getting stale. We don't move into our victory. We don't move into our time. We've got to go through an open door as painful as it might seem. It's just like childbirth. I know, ladies, you say, what right does he have to talk about childbirth? Well, I had hemorrhoids. I don't know what else to tell you. You know, <laughs> Patty's saying, nah, nah, not getting it. All right. So I don't know. I'm telling you, I can't relate, but I can relate. I had my wife digging into my hand with her nails, saying, what did you do to me while she was having children? And I shared a little bit of pain, but childbirth is painful. Childbirth is painful. And uh, sometimes there's pain we have to go through. How about no pain, no gain? This, sometimes it's painful to let go. But we have to let go and move on with what God has given us to do. Amen? So um, we're, we're past the 126 days. And I want to put a scripture up. Um, the blast I sent out to you, it admonished the finished work of Christ, but it also said the unfinished business with me and you. God has unfinished business with us. Sometimes we slip into that spiritual rest. We call it rest when actually what it is is lethargy. We're doing nothing. We're just looking for a reason to excuse ourselves and say, well, I'm in grace, I'm in God. And so God's taking care of everything. No, God's not taking care of everything. He's going to direct and take care of everything for you if you're walking with him. But if you're not on your way to your next, guess what? You're in the flesh. The flesh, God 
told you it's your battle to wrestle against it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but, but high powers. You are the one that has to control your flesh. If I don't control my flesh, this guy gets out of hand. He's nasty, he's mean, he's crude, he's rude, he's all kind of nasty, bad things. I have to control him. If I don't control him, then I'm out of control in the spirit. So we are breaking through, and we're happy about it. But the scripture out of John 16, starting in verse 13. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus he's telling his people. And, and, and we understand that as children of God, the Spirit whispers. We, 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 as always happens, almost always with Leanne, she picks songs that are already uh, going along with what the Spirit of God has given me. That's how I know that we're moving in unity. We don't have to talk about it. The Holy Spirit is doing the work. So the Spirit is whispering. My work with you, in you, for you is not finished. Even though Christ said it's finished, Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. If you want to hear of the things to come, you have to hear the voice of God. You're not going to hear the voice of God if your mind and your life is all cluttered with the things of yourself. I've been enjoying my time here quietly. I don't announce it. I hope I don't see anybody. Sometimes I see someone coming or going. It's, it's because I look forward to that moment of the Lord and me alone at this altar. And you know, I've told you before, and I'm going to build on it further in this series. God says, where you call upon my name in that place, I establish my altar. I've been learning that there's a lingering, a languishing, something that holds on in the holy places that we establish. Isn't that true, Pastor Barney? I see you nodding your head. You know that. You know where your prayer closet is. You know where your, where your knee prints are in the side of your bed. You know where that book is that you pray in, don't you? Don't you? My, my wife has established an altar at our kitchen table. Typically, it has all of her stuff, her prayer stuff. She listens to the word. She's there. I've learned to appreciate that because she's prepared that altar. Not only do we eat food there, there's spiritual food there. This morning, in early in the middle of the night while I was working, I was at that prayer altar. Here, this altar is established. That's why when you come up, it's not a church thing. It's not a religious thing. There's an altar established here. It's anointed. I feel it. I sense it even now. And when I come in here alone and the lights are out and I come up to this altar and we're worshiping with music that goes on all the time with the angels, I, I was inviting the angels to sing and worship with me yesterday. I was inviting them and I felt the presence of God growing and growing in this house. I got so excited I began to shout out and then all of a sudden I saw... Chinese Pastor Jeff in the door wondering if something was going wrong because he was going in to prepare. And then he just left me alone because he figured that's just crazy Frank. I don't know what he's doing. The place of our altar, the place where we go, that's where you hear the voice of God. That's when he speaks through when we ask him. But we got to get the clutter out. We got to get the clutter out. So, what is your revelation of Christ? 
as pertains to him and pertains to you? That's a major question that we're going to continue to answer in this series. What really is your revelation of Christ? And what is it? How does it mean to you? How does it change you? What is it really deep with you? I'd love to. I've been in the Lord now since 1980, really. And I've had my moments, good and bad and the ugly. I've had my imperfections. You know, this morning, as I was getting prepared to come, finally laid the books down and said, I got to go. I got to get ready. I got to get to church. I just said to the Lord, Lord, how have you tolerated me so much throughout these years? I can barely tolerate myself sometimes. How, how have you been able to close your eyes to some of the foul things that I've done or haven't done? And how, how could you? And then the Holy Spirit began to bring me this. And he said, David, as the king, was subject to the law. By the law, he was an adulterer. He should have been stoned and killed. His wife should have been taken out. The wife he stole. Her husband that he sent to be killed. He was a philanderer. He said, but yet, he found his way with grace to me, and I didn't punish him for it. The law did not touch him because my law is greater. Peter, in his fit of rage, in his flesh, he cut off the soldier's ear. He told me this again this morning. He said, they couldn't touch him because I healed the ear of the soldier. What could they charge him with? He said, son, no one can charge you. I put the ear back on the head. He said, son, nobody can hold you as a criminal. The law, you're not above the law, but the law isn't above you. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jesus. So that's how it is. He said, son, you're learning more about Christ. I said, yes, I am, Lord. After all these years, after all these years, it's my 40th anniversary in the Lord. That's special. Something's happening. And I'm getting closer to Jesus. I'm getting closer to the Holy Spirit. I'm feeling the love of the Father as I've never felt before. I'm feeling love for people like I've never felt it before. And I want to tell you something. You know, I've, I've confessed with just one or two of you that sometimes I get pretty weary. This feels like a big burden to me, trying to manage it all, and, and I wonder how and why, but I want to tell you something. Yesterday, I had a Padamaran experience here. I fell back in love with my true love of this church. I love this church. I love you. I said, Lord, don't take me from here. Because what I didn't tell you that I said I couldn't tell you three months ago is I heard the Holy Spirit asking me, son, do you want to leave? He asked me. You know, my answer, I don't know. It wasn't because I don't love the church or care. It's because I didn't know if I was the right person. I don't want to hold anybody back. So I only gave the answer I could. I don't know. But yesterday I said, Lord, I love this church. I love the people. Don't take me. And the Lord said, okay, son. Okay. You see, we gotta let it out. We gotta let it down. We've gotta put him first. But when we put him first, he'll merge our love and our passion with him. And that's a Padamaran experience.
So we're just going to get our feet in the water. I want you to do something prophetic right now, okay? Because I want to wipe away these man tears. You could punch me in the face, I won't cry, but the Holy Spirit touched my heart, I'll cry like a baby. I want you to, to get up for a moment, because you want to stretch anyway, you've been sitting a while, your butt's hurt, so stand up a second. And, and just take your toe, toes, put them in the water, put them in the water, and say, Lord, I'm going to start parting the sea. I'm going to part the sea. I'm going to take this journey. I'm going to part the sea. I'm going to walk into my next. And when I do, the waters are going to come and they're going to drown out the past. They're going to be gone. It's going to be clean and I'm going to go and walk in to the land of milk and honey. I want you to do that. Just take your toes. Say, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Get your toes wet. Shake them around in there a little bit. I like toes. Put your toes in. Shake them around. Yes. The toes in there. Shake them around. Yes. Now shake them off a little bit. There you go. Shake them off a little bit. And let's start our journey together. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready to take a trip with me? Huh? Ask them. Amen. Okay, you can sit, you can stand, you can roll, you can do anything you want, but I'm going to start preaching again. I don't have much time, so we're going to go just through a few things. Jesus, John 19, verses 28 through 30. Knowing that everything had been finished on his preparation to the cross, Jesus said this, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Now, if we're just in the flesh, we would say, well, he was on the cross. It was hot. It was Jerusalem. It was the morning sun. They hadn't given him anything to drink. He was dehydrated. He was withering on the cross. But that wasn't all he was thirsty for. He wasn't thirsty just for a drink in his flesh. He was thirsty for his father. He was thirsty for the Holy Spirit. He was thirsting for his divine life. That's why it's good for us to be thirsty. If you want to break through, you gotta be thirsty. The Word of God can never be quenched. There's something about the Word of God. The more we take in, the more we want. And the more we get and receive, the more we need. And the more we give, the more we receive. Thirsty for the Word of God. Thirsty for the Spirit of God. I'm going to share with you how the Spirit of God moves in me. It's through worship, prayer, and the Word. Worship, prayer, and the Word. Yesterday, in here, arms lifted up, 
worshiping the Lord with the angels, the Spirit of God almost knocked me down. Praying, the Spirit of God invades my flesh, takes the clutter out of my head, gives me focus. And the Word of God, reading it, receiving it, writing it or preaching it, fires me up. And then I want more. And then I want more. Jesus was thirsty. He said, I'm thirsty. They took a jar of wine vinegar that was there, and they soaked it in a sponge, and they put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and they lifted it to his lips. When he'd received that drink, that bitter drink, the bitterness of vinegar, he said, it's finished. What was finished? The bitterness. The bitterness. Not the fact that he didn't need to to descend into hell. Don't, Don't buy into that, that he didn't go into hell. Don't buy into that because that's trying to mitigate your faith. Philippians 3.10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. If you don't understand that he overcame all of your sins, all the sins of the world, that he overcame the law, that he overcame Satan's legal right to his soul in hell, then you're diminishing the power of the resurrection in your own life. He rose from the dead, and who is he that ascended but that he first ascended? And we were baptized with him into death, but we are raised with him in resurrection. I want the power. And so we want all the power. So the bitterness that he said was finished was the bitterness here on earth. Now it was time to go deal with hell. And when he was done with hell, then the finished work in him was the beginning of the work in us. You see, too many Christians believe their work is finished. Yes, he finished our struggle with sin. He finished our struggle to overcome sin. But he didn't finish our walk, our life, our work. We're the ones that co-author that with God. God is the potter. We are the clay. But if we put the wrong clay into that till that's spinning the pot, strange things happen. Some of our best friend's son is a master potter. His works are amazing. It's all he does besides working with his father to make a living. Say in David Reese's son. He does masterful work of pottery, but he has equipment for it and he prepares himself and he gets the right clay and he doesn't mix the wrong colors. And if it doesn't come out right, you know what he does? He breaks it. He won't put it out there with a flaw in it with his name. I look at it, I say, give it to me. I'm used to pottery from Mexico down in Miami, the stuff you put it on the ground and it moves like this or out in Arizona. You know, it just hobbles, but that's okay. We put a little shim underneath it, right, Ralph? And we, we straighten it out. We put a plan in it. Hey, the price was right. God is perfecting us. And he won't allow strange clay. He won't allow flaws. He'll take us with the flaws, but he won't quit molding. How much better than we partner with him? How much better when we confess those flaws before we have to get the sandpaper out or break the jar to start over? How much better? How much better? 
So, Jesus said it was finished. And then he bowed his head. And he gave up the spirit. That word, finished, in the Greek, which is what it was translated from, it's tetelestai. Interesting. Tetelestai. It means it's finished. But it also does this. It comes from another verb, and that verb is teleo, T-E-L-E-O, teleo, like telescope, telegraph. Teleo, which means to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish. So it's a verb. It's an active verb. It's crucial because it means that it's the successful end of a particular action. You and I are coming to a, a teleo time, the successful end to a particular action. You say, but I don't think it was so successful. Yes, it was. If it got you to the place of next, it was successful. You may not measure it like God did. You may not say, boy, it was really fun going bankrupt. And God say, really not? He said, you wiped everything clear. You learned it was me and not you. You changed your life. It really wasn't right for somebody to falsely accuse me. Really, was it? You want to be more like Christ and fellowship in his sufferings? You're going to tell me that you don't deserve to be falsely accused? And I'm going to tell you that law doesn't work in my kingdom. You see, we want to measure ourselves by the past. We want to measure ourselves when we're going to the next place by our faults. That's the way of the world. That's the way of a record. That's the way of people that are measuring you in the flesh or yourself when we measure ourselves in the flesh. But God isn't measuring us by that because Jesus finished that work. What he's measuring us by is by the potential of our seed. Huh? The potential of our seed. How many of you know that every seed has a particular DNA in it to do a particular thing? Right? I mean, it was one of the first things I learned when I went to a Pentecostal church. About They were talking about getting a tithe. Getting a tithe. If you plant potatoes, you don't get tomatoes. How many of you heard it, right? You know, every seed has its own DNA. God has produced you with your own seed. And that seed has a potential. So God is looking at the potential of the seed that he created you with, not with the mess-ups that I did. You notice I said I and not you. I try not to say me as often anymore because the Lord told me, I told you a month ago, he said I boast too much. So I'm trying to learn not to boast so much. So I, I get out of those pronouns. That's why you rocked me to my shoes when the Lord said, Frank, it was like, ooh. He's measuring you and me by the potential of what he created us in. And so when we get to the place of next, it's not the place of regrets. It's the place of anticipation. It's the place of excitement. It's the place where we say, okay, Lord, what is it? And you're going to find out no matter what you're thinking of when you're walking away or being moved or God slamming the door or you're crying out or you're going to find out when you get there and accept and receive that you're in a good place. 
And you're at a place now where God can begin to build supernaturally all kind of things in us that he couldn't build upon that flawed jar. God doesn't build on a flawed foundation. He builds on a firm foundation. And so sometimes we need to shut our ears. Huh? Sometimes we need to say, you know what, I'm not going to count the flaws in myself. Or how about the pastors? And I'm not going to count the flaws in my relationships and my children and my husband, my wife, my ex, my this, my that, my who, hey. I'm going to instead say, you know what, Lord, I'm in a good place. And you know what? Thank you for what that person, that relationship did for what you're building in me. Thank you. You say, boy, that makes no sense. How many of you have I'm hopefully none of you women, maybe a few of you. How many have almost been beat to death in hands? Huh? You mean, yeah. I mean, you say, that was good? Yeah, it's good because you don't want to do that again. You avoid that because you realize there comes a place where physical strength doesn't work. There comes a place where reason doesn't make it. There comes a place where all the logic, all the money, all the things, all the people, they don't work anymore. The only thing that's there is you and God. And guess what? That's the best place. Because guess what it is then? It's you and God. Think about that a second. Me and my Lord. Think about it. Wow. If God be for me, who He who is within me. The Lord can set how many to flee? Come on. Come on, come on, come on. How many? Say it out loud. Somebody tell me you know the word. Come on. Hey! Pastor Eleanor, help them out. Will you please get these people? Hey! I know you women know it. You just want to be nice and sweet and not yell out like these boisterous guys. <laughs> you and the Lord. You and the Lord. That's really all we need. It's good to have all the rest added. I mean, I love having the strength of people beside me, my wife, my people, my children, my grandchildren. I love it all. Thank God for those blessings. But let me tell you something. All of that without the Lord... I'm a scary person. I'm a scary person. So, tell us to die. This word means more than just the fact that you accomplished something. You know what else it means? It's as if you just went into the arena and you fought. Or it means that you took a long ride, a run, or you swam across a channel or you persevered something that took years and years and years. The word also means, I survived. I did exactly what I set out to do. That's what Jesus said. It's finished. I survived. I made it. I did exactly what I set out to do. This word is a concept word for arriving at the place of next. I got it. I made it to here. 
And I might look at you and say, really? You say, yeah, in spite of me bungling and bumbling and dumbling and grumbling and all the things I didn't do right, I got here. I got to the place of next. And I got there because the Lord is with me. I got there, I survived, I made it in spite of illnesses, in spite of rejections and abuses and, and lack and everything that happened, church hurts, whatever it is, I got to the place of next. And I'm here because God is with me. And God brought me here and God says, son, Daughter, this is the place that I'm going to refresh you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to give you provision. And I'm going to move you on to the next place of next. And I'm not going to finish with you until I'm finished. You see, the exciting thing about the word that Jesus spoke, this verb itself Tetelestai, T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-A-I, for whoever cares. It's a perfect tense in the Greek. All right? What does that mean, perfect tense? It's significant because it speaks of an action which has already been completed, but it results in continuing into the present and on. Jesus said it was finished. He didn't say, I'm done. He said, I survived. I made it. And the work I'm doing is now in the present, and it's going to continue on in you. He said, I must go because I'm going to send you one who's going to continue the work. He's going to say what I hear, going to see what the Father does. He's going to continue the work in you. Wait for him. He will bring you power from on high. And those who call upon my name shall receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will move you in all truth. To Telestai. The work continues on. So what is the place of next? The place of next is where you've just gotten to. The place of next is where you made it in spite of yourself because of God. You survived. You say, but pastor, you don't understand. I measure victory by, a, I, I didn't get to pull the banner. Well, guess what? Your race isn't finished. Huh? You want to pull the banner? Go home. You done? You tell me your race is finished with God, I'm going to say a real nice prayer for you. Bye-bye. Go, go away, Lord Jesus. Carry me home, sweet chariot. Is that where we're at? You're running a race. So you didn't break through yet to the finish line because you're not finished. And so guess what? You need to suck it up. You're on an Iron Man run. Some of the women do it better than the men. They finish one phase. Three miles in the water, open sea. Whoo, so that they can then bicycle 121 kilometers. And when they're done with that, they get to run another 21 miles. And then they finally break through, only to look at their time and say, I didn't do it well enough. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to keep training. I can do better. So guess what? Suck it up. Let it go. Get to the place of next. My prayer for you 
is that God puts a fire in every one of our tails that we can't stay still. I don't want you to stay still. I don't want you to be content with what you got. I want your butt flaming and on fire and you're trying to put it out. You get in the visual, whoo! Hey, place of next. Place of next. Place of next. We can placate ourselves wherever we're at. <laughs> I'm one of the best placaters there is. I've done that good. I'm done with that. That's great, God. It's somebody else's turn. Let them take it to the next step. You know what, Lord? I'm tired. I'm weary. I got this to do now. I'm going to sleep in a little longer. Huh? I'm going to take something to sleep better. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do something for me. Place of next. And you know the other thing about the place of next we'll get to at the end of this series? Don't get too familiar with it. You shouldn't stay there too long. I'm not talking about leaving the church. I'm staying. You better stay too. <laughs> I'm talking about spiritually compromising ourselves. Getting to a place where we say that's as far as we're going to go. I'm not going to go any further. And you know what is the biggest danger with that? The biggest danger to that is saying, God, you're going to have to move me. How many times do you hear that? God, I'm not moving unless you, God, I'm not, God, God, you have to do this or I'm not doing that. And God say, really? Really? Well, how about I just stay quiet and let you keep messing up your life a little more? And then the next time you turn to me, I'm going to remind you, you said you wanted to do it. I mean, let's not fall into that snare and trap where we tempt God and say, God, you need to do this for me to do that. Because we don't know the ways of God. His ways are so far beyond our understanding. I know one thing. It's written right there. Romans 8, 28. All things do work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So you know what, Lord? My estimate of good is not your estimate of good. Thank God, because I would never be good. Thank God that his estimate of me is that I'm good. I'm better than good. I'm great because Jesus is great. I'm so good and great, no matter what I think and know and how I assess myself, that I'm going to heaven. I've got eternal life. I've got a mansion in the heavenly places. I have the Son of God in me. By his name, I can do all things. I can cast out demons. I can pull down strongholds. I can heal the sick and raise the dead. I can set a fire in the word of God that will change people's souls and pluck their feet from hell. In his name, I am great. I'm greater than great. I'm awesome in his name in spite of me everything's working I'm going to close with this I didn't even begin to touch what I needed to touch I'm going to draw a line right here I'd like to give you an assignment those who are watching those who do watch those who are here I'd like you to do your own Bible study in Genesis chapter 24. I just finished a one-week study there. 
verse by verse, word by word. Wow. I'm going to give you a little hint. There's a champion in that chapter. It only refers to him as the servant of Abraham. A little more hint, the oldest servant of Abraham. But because of study, (laughs) I found out that his name was Eliezer. The rabbis had decoded his family and his name so they could pass on Eliezer. So that no-named champion in that book of channel of, of Genesis 24, he has a name. His name is Eliezer. Interesting. Interesting about that because I want to share with you what that means. Eliezer, there's an enigma about Eliezer. He was sent to preserve the covenant of God with Abraham, and he didn't know it. You have a covenant with Jesus. How well do you know it? Are you going to be like Eliezer who asks a question, what happens if I don't do it? Are you going to make an oath like he did sticking his hand under Abraham's thigh, which we'll talk about? Or are we going to accept it? Well, that name, I should have known, but I just never stopped to listen to it. The mythology of that name, Eliezer, the historical origin of it, it is an ancient biblical Hebrew name, no doubt. And it only appears three times in the Old Testament, so I had a hard time finding more about it. But here's what it means. This is what it translates. My God is help. Abraham sent his oldest trustworthy servant. Chances are he named him. My God is help. He's also mentioned in Genesis 15, too. There's forms of that name, Ellen. Ellen. Eli is the name of God. Ellen is a Hebrew for four. Eleanor is of Hebrew origin. And it comes from this Hebrew element of El, El, of God. El Shaddai. El. El of God. And the other part, the Len part, guess what it means? Light. Light. God is my light. So Ellie is a very, very popular name, especially in the United Kingdom for some reason. They don't even realize what they're saying. God is my light. Well, My mother-in-law passed away a couple years ago, Eleanor, which means for God. I am for God for light. Eleanor passed away. We called her Ellie. And it never dawned on me all of that time I was speaking Hebrew. Ellie. Interestingly enough, when she first became aware of me, I don't even know if she had met me yet, 
And she was trying to persuade my wonderful wife now of all these years and seven grandchildren and four children not to get involved with a man who had been divorced and was a Jew thrown out of the temple and, you know, not such a good thing for a Catholic girl. She was going to the cathedral and lighting candles. Well, now it makes sense. That's what an Ellie does. An Ellie brings light and lights candles. Eliezer, he lit up a candle. You are going to be absolutely floored when I take you through Genesis 24. He went to the Padamaran, found it supernaturally. And when he did, before he could say a prayer, God answered it. You're going to learn about the camel test. We have tests in our life. What we do with them determines whether we get what we're sent out to get. Don't flunk the camel test. He found the second matriarch. Sarah had just passed on. Abraham felt his own death was imminent, even though he lived some years afterwards. Had a lot of children and a couple more wives. The guy was far from dead, but he didn't know that. He buried Sarah. Isaac, the seed, the seed, the seed, the seed. Everything in Isaac had no wife. Abraham was concerned the covenant was going to die. Eliezer had one charge. Multiply the seed. You getting it? Read it. Pray for revelation while you read. Take your time. Don't do it like a Bible study online where you, you, know, you do that in 20 other chapters of the Bible in one day. That's good, but it doesn't soak in. I can't do that. I do it because I go all over the Word, but I don't do it that way. But it's okay if you do it that way, but slow down. Let the revelation soak in. You'd be surprised. Each and every one of us is an Eliezer right now. We're somebody on a mission. A mission to fulfill God's covenant. To prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Don't think for a moment you don't count. You only count if you don't count yourself. I like that. Put that in the book. Frank, yes, Lord. I think you were getting in my head or something, Eric. I don't know what happened there, man. That's how God speaks to me when he's mad at me. He calls me by that name. When he's happy, he calls me son. When he's mad, Frank. So when you said that, I went, I needed that. The place of next. You're only not there if you don't accept it. I can paint every picture. I can make it vivid. I could give you the word. The Holy Spirit could speak. You could have movements in your life. You could have all kinds of things happening. You're only not there 
if you don't accept it. If you do accept it, you're in the place of God. And that's a place to get excited and activated. I think that's why God spoke to me before I got this revelation. It's time to impart to leaders in the kingdom. It's time.